Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Okay, God, I've recorded them. Now it's up to you to get them in the hands of the people that need to hear this. Just as he allows you to hear that music, Jill, in your time of need, he's going to do that. He's so good and faithful that way. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hello, friend. I want to welcome you back to the No More Perfect podcast. Before we jump into today's interview, I want to make sure that you know about my No More Perfect books. Yep, the books came before the podcast. In fact, No More Perfect Moms is mentioned in this episode, so that's why I thought I'd make sure that you're aware of them. I believe that we all struggle with something I call the perfection infection. So the perfection infection is when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves and when we unfairly compare ourselves to others. That's what I wrote No More Perfect Moms about, really being able to stop that comparison game that is robbing us of joy. But then what happens when the perfection infection invades our parenting and we have unrealistic expectations of our kids and we maybe unfairly compare our kids to others? Who do we compare them to? Well, maybe that sibling that's a little bit easier to parent, or maybe it's that imagined child in your head that never has shown up. (laughs) And so... It's important that we kick the perfection infection out of our parenting. And that's what No More Perfect Kids is all about. It's a book I co-authored with Dr. Kathy Cook of Celebrate Kids. And then there's No More Perfect Marriages. It's a book that I co-authored with my husband, Mark. What happens when the perfection infection invades our marriage and we unfairly compare our marriage to other marriages, or we unfairly compare our spouse to other spouses, or we have unrealistic expectations of our marriage or unrealistic expectations of our spouse. It robs us of joy and contentment in what we do have. I believe that these books are really key into kicking the perfection infection out of your life, kicking discontentment out of your heart so that you can enjoy and embrace the real life, the real people, the real relationships, the real kids, uh, the real marriage that you do have. So if you're looking for something new to read, 
consider one of the No More Perfect books. Links are in the show notes. So now to today's episode. It is about music and truth and faith and real life. You know, music is a powerful delivery truck for truth for me. When I listen to God's words set to music or God's truths delivered in music, it helps that truth to reside in my soul and to stay there. My friend Sherry Kagi and I talked recently about how music has played a role in navigating the good and the hard parts of life. Sherry's been ministering through music for over 30 years. She's an incredible songwriter, and I think you'll appreciate this conversation. So Sherry, you and I met a million years ago at Hearts at Home. (laughs) It wasn't really a million years ago, but it felt like it feels like a million years ago because our lives were very different back then, weren't they? They sure were. And, you know, now we have we have the wrinkles and gray hair to prove it. That the time has passed. Those those were some sweet years we had together. I know they really were. You were just getting started, and you had released your first album, which I think was called "Child of the Father." Is that correct? Yep, nineteen ninety four. Yep, and that was the year that Hearts at Home started as well. Is that the album that had the the mom songs on it? Uh, you had uh, like a song for your uh, for your son and a song for your daughter. Yes. So that my first album, yeah, that Child of the Father album had the song Little Boy on His Knees for my son Cameron. And then my second, my sophomore release had the song I wrote and recorded for my daughter called Beautiful Little Girl. That was Sarah's song. Yes. And um, I know those were popular at those Hearts at Home conferences. Oh, yeah. The moms loved those songs. And now you are a grandma. And isn't grandmotherhood the best? It is. It is really a gift, a blessing. And, you know, by the time you become a grandma, you have grown in wisdom and you're a little more relaxed about things. And so you can just kind of enjoy uh, enjoy the kids and love on them. And then, of course, they go back home with mom and dad. But uh, it's a sweet season of life right now. I just love those grandbabies. Oh, I do too. I know. Uh, Mark and I often say, though, we love it when they come and we love it when they leave. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. That's what I always say to my daughter. uh, You know, that's why you have kids when you're young is because we're tired. You know, when we've helped with the grandkids, right? we are tired, but um, it's a good kind of tired feeling like you've really done something worthwhile in building relationships with them. I agree. I agree. So my kids call me Nana. What do your grandkids or my grandkids call me Nana? What do your grandkids call you? Well, uh, there's only one that's uh, speaking. He's, he just turned, turned four and I'm Grandma Sherry. And then, <laughs> and then the other one is just one years old. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm assuming he'll adapt that, that same uh, title. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. So, you know, the moms at Hearts at Home loved you because you were so real, Sherry. And you, your music always came out of your own journey. Uh, you were authentic. That was super important to us at Hearts at Home Conference. So why is that important to you? And, and, and how has music been a part of your real life journey? Yes, for me, uh, my music and songwriting has been an extension of my walk with the Lord, really, because it is a lot of how I process and work out my faith through the songs. Uh, and the Lord heals me and teaches me and um, sort of girds me up with the songs because I'm singing mm. about the truths that I know that I need to learn and own and rehearse, um, you know, or I'm, uh, you know, writing about a specific loss or a, a specific joy uh, that I want to expound on. So um, it's very much an extension of, you know, where I'm at. It's a snapshot in time, you know, of whatever God is doing in me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the real stuff of life, isn't it? It is. It is. Yes. And, uh, you know, interestingly, this, um, this, my newest project, which we'll get to, we'll talk to that, talk about it eventually. It was just so hard birthed. And I, I just even said to the Lord, I knew I knew that he required me to steward this batch of songs as he has through every season. But I actually said to the Lord the other day, you know, if I don't write any more songs, say if I just journal about these things to process with you, but I don't actually write the song, then I won't be responsible to have to steward the song. <laughs> I was already sort of wiggling, trying to figure out how to get out of this deal, you know? So anyway, I say that in jest, but it's funny the things, uh, the things we say to the Lord, to the Lord sometimes. <laughs> right. Well, he's got he's got a great sense of humor. I have no doubt, um, considering some of the things that he has uh, created in this world that, you know, you look at some of the animals and you're like, boy, Lord, you were creative. <laughs> so I think he's got a, a great sense of humor and we can we can talk to him so honestly like that. Yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, right before. My marriage crisis, you too had a marriage crisis, and your story unfortunately did not end like mine did. I got the restoration story, and you got the unwanted divorce. And uh, that was a really dark season for you. So, talk about your faith journey during that dark season, Sherry. Yes. Um, you know, well, the Lord. You know, in those seasons of darkness, um, the Lord gives us the, the richness of the treasure of himself, you know, when we are clinging to him for dear life. And uh, my marriage ended not like in a sudden, you know, shocking event. It was more years and years of quiet struggle. And of course, I was hashing out a lot of my pain and experience in my songwriting, <laughs> uh, but not necessarily mm -hmm. divulging all of the story, you know. Um, but, you know, in those years, I just really pressed into the Lord out of desperation, you know, needing answers, looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for a promise to cling to and, um, you know, just believing by faith that God 
would heal my marriage uh, because you know in my marriage I had um, I had a real struggle through some circumstances. My struggle was uh, bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, and yet mm. even as I cried out to the Lord to rid me of those things. That's where I experienced the healing power of his love and the power of his word, you know, to be able to speak truth yes. with my mouth to instruct my heart, you know, and to renew my mind. And so the Lord did that miraculous work in my heart um, where I was free out of the prison and the chains of unforgiveness. And so I knew it was completely possible that he could also heal my marriage. Uh, but in the end, as you said, that wasn't where we ended up. Um, but, you know, looking back, I am so grateful. I, I didn't get the the answer to the prayer that I thought it should be, you know, how I thought that the Lord should work on my behalf, yes. on our behalf, on the behalf of our family. Um, but the Lord um, is so he's really amazing, isn't he, in the way that he can redeem such brokenness um, for a bigger kingdom story. And so I'm grateful for that and um, that I now know him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals because he's healed me. Yes. And um, and I could, you know, just entrust my ex-husband to the Lord. Um, I knew that I couldn't, there wasn't an amount of praying or fasting or counsel or, you know, all the things that we go to, the tools that we have at our disposal. There wasn't any amount of that that I could control to fix my situation, um, but I could uh, release it and um, allow the Lord to work beyond beyond our marriage. You know, there's still the possibility yes. that the Lord could work in my ex-husband um, just as he's worked in me. So um, it's really sort of a laying down. Um, and and then I'm so grateful, you know, for the songs the Lord allowed me to write during that time, songs that ministered to other people. Um, and yes. So, you know, he doesn't waste our sorrows. He's real good that way. Oh, that is so true. And it was your that album, so I can tell, that ministered to my heart during my dark season of marriage. I can remember, Sherry, um, I had that, I actually had the CD of that, and I would drive an hour to my counselor and then an hour home, and I would play your Oh, I'm going to get emotional talking about it because it was so powerful. I would play that album all the way to Peoria uh, to my counselor. And those songs would just wash over my soul and I would cry. I mean, I would just cry and cry and cry, <laughs> but they just washed over my soul. And so, you know, something that came out of such a dark season brought such comfort to me during my dark season that followed yours. Yeah, and I and I have tears in my eyes as you're sharing that, Jill, just because God is so good to have done that for you, to have, um, you know, 
to here we live in different states and the whole thing, but God was meeting you in your moment in that hour long drive back and forth to your counseling appointment. And that's where I just stand in awe, you know, because it was so many years of of heartbreak. Um, I mean, it wasn't all bad, you know, I mean, our lives are a mix of good and bad and it's all in there together. Um, But it was a lot of years of significant hardship um, that the Lord then is so graciously redeeming in someone else's life. And um, that's really just powerful. I love hearing that, Jill. Sorry for the pain you all went through, you know, but grateful that the Lord met you in it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember there was one particular song that was really powerful for me. It was a song called When You Were Jesus to Me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I asked you if we could play just a little clip of it. So we're going to play just a little clip here Good. so we can share some of these powerful words. Sherry, talk about that song and and kind of the story behind when you wrote that song. You know, I wrote that song in the thick of a lot of hard stuff. And it was a few years after the fact that I then was able to record it on that uh, album you mentioned, so I can tell. Um, but I can go back in my mind to exactly the moment, you know, where I was sitting in church. It was an Easter Sunday. And I was there in my home church. There was such brokenness in our marriage. I was, um, you know, in church by myself, but I was um, sitting next to a longtime friend who had walked with us. Her and her husband had walked with us, um, you know, in a lot of hard things. And she was just you know, wise in the word and that sort of thing. And it was the time in the service where they asked everyone to stand because we're doing the celebratory. He is risen Easter music, you know, <laughs> he is triumphed over the grave. Right. And I was just so broken. And I, I literally just um, couldn't even stand to my feet. And I looked up at my friend and I said, I can't worship, <laughs> you know, and she just, she just validated where I was. And she said, it's okay just to receive. And she gave me permission mm. to just remain in my seat, to cry the whole entire service, whatever it was I needed, God, you know, it was okay. God could handle it. Right. <laughs> and she really, um, she was a message of mercy to me. You know, she was uh, Jesus voice of love and mercy to me in that moment. And 
you know, the second verse of that song, I referred to another friend, a longtime mentor from community Bible study who I would often turn to for godly counsel and same thing, you know, calling her and her confirming, you know, what the Lord was impressing on my heart through scripture and, you know, and then hearing a trusted mentor go, yes, yes, I, I see that too. Or, or here's this scripture for you to pray over, you know? And so, man, I'm so grateful for the ways God loved me through these dear women in those seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why that song was so powerful for me because I was so non-functional during that dark season. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I, I was just, it was all I could do to put one foot in front of the other. And I so resonate with what you said, where, you know, you were sitting in church and you just couldn't even, you couldn't even stand. And I, I think that I, you just captured with that song, you captured the feeling of being so broken. Mm. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that's why it just really resonated with my soul. Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, You know, that's our, that's our Jesus. And we, you know, we hate those times of despair. You know, I can go back and I can just remember how I was feeling. Uh, But God, has a way of bringing us through those times where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we can look back and Mm -hmm. we can see, uh, you know, we can see his hand, we can see his sovereign love, his care for us. And uh, I'm grateful to be on the other side of that story. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. (laughs) Oh, I am. (laughs) I am. And for those of you that are listening, I will make sure and put, uh, we will put links in the show notes to Sherry's albums that we're talking about her music, um, as well as, uh, that, that specific song that I was just sharing with you, uh, so that you can go and listen to the whole thing because it's so very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. So Sherry, I wish that, you know, that dark season of your marriage was the last uh, and the only devastating experience that you've had. But unfortunately, uh, was it about five years ago, four years ago, five years ago, you had another devastating event Mm -hmm. happen in your life. Yes. Can you um, talk about that? Yeah, fall of 2018. So um, we're coming up on four years in September. Okay. Yeah, I I got the call from my sister that I never in a million years dreamed I would ever hear. Um, she was calling me from California, and uh, I live in Tennessee. And with with the awful news that my dad had taken his life and none of us ever could have imagined that you know i was very close with my dad you know had a good relationship with him and uh you know and he was a believer uh so we we don't totally know what was on his heart and mind in that time i I, we know that he was facing some health challenges and Mm -hmm. he in one conversation had had shared that he sometimes felt depressed, you know, but it was a real kind of a light comment, you know, in one phone conversation, one time. So we don't know all Mm -hmm. what was going on there, but he made that choice in a moment of despair. um, And 
so it rocked my world like like nothing else. Oh, I can only imagine. Yes, I yeah. can only imagine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and I, you know, you talked about not being almost not being able to function, you know, in your dark season. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, I relate to that with with regard to losing my dad because I did delve into a a significant season of grief and a kind of a what you might describe as a fog of grief. Some people describe it as you know where mm. you know the lord was ministering to me through his word and other resources that i availed myself to you know grief share and uh lots of books and eventual counseling um mm -hmm. all, all of that uh, but there was this part of me uh that was broken i described to my counselor it's like I've lost my mojo. So, so my, it, interestingly, it, it sort of, I felt like it was affecting my work muscle, you know, my show up for work and juggle yeah. all the hats and, um, you know, answer all the emails and show up for everybody and, you know, don't disappoint anybody and <laughs> all that. I was just, right. Um, I was just like pulling back and I was tending to my soul, but I was, uh, just not functioning full tilt like I normally do. So, um, yes, yes. Yeah. But so what mm -hmm. helped you get to the other side of that, Sherry? Yes. I, I would say about, about after a year after he'd passed, you know, I had, um, I had poured out my heart in through some of my songs, um, and yet I still was not feeling like I was able to move forward in my work life, like recording the songs, all of that. And so yeah. I decided, oh, you know what, I do think I want to talk to someone. And so I scheduled some mm -hmm. sessions with a grief counselor, and she actually brought me through a book uh, called the Grief Recovery Handbook. So I did some specific exercises, some relationship graphs, if you will, uh, both on my ex-husband yep. and on my dad. Um, but it, yes. you, know, you know, they say they say that every suicide survivor is looking for a way to feel normal again following a life event that is so abnormal. Um, and that, yes. came, that came from a book I read after it's called Aftershock Help, Hope and Healing in the Wake of Suicide. And, you know, my, even though I had a good relationship with my dad, in a sense, because his life ended abruptly, it, you might say it was a relationship that was emotionally incomplete. And so yes. through that book, uh, it eventually culminated in me writing a letter, which I then read to my counselor as, you know, standing in for my dad, if you will, um, which then enabled me to say uh, some of the things that I didn't get the chance to. And I think I was mm. skeptical about it initially, you know, the, the effect that it would have. But also during that time of counseling, I was very prayerful and I was asking the Lord and inviting him into my healing process and asking him to show me what I needed to see in order to move through it, you know, in his time. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and so he really did a work in me and uh, enough to where I could then move forward with, you know, embarking on a new record and all of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that because I am sure that we have people listening who are walking through some pretty intense grief for a variety of reasons, Mm -hmm. because that is the real stuff of life. And uh, just even to hear about those resources that were helpful for you to hear about the importance of asking for help, like recognizing that, Hey, I think I need to make some appointments. Mm -hmm. Those are important next steps. Yes. Uh, You know, another book I read called Grieving a Suicide, A Loved One's Search for Comfort, Answers, and Hope, the author's dad had taken his life, and he shared that grief that has done its work in us will help us experience God's grace more fully. And Mm. I, I experienced that to be true because... You know, I went to a cabin in the woods. A friend of mine uh, let me stay and have a writer's retreat, and I was so broken and and yet hopeful that God would, as He has in the past, allow me to hash it out through songs and um, bring perspective. And really, what I felt the Lord showed me in that weekend was that this was not something that I could fix quickly, yes. but that I could. I could just lean back and really the only thing I could do is believe upon his grace and know that God's grace would be sufficient for me for however long this would take. And that, you know, the the scripture in Psalm 16, that says he will not abandon us to the grave. You know, he was not going to abandon me. And so there was a comfort in sort of being able to rest in the unknown of this and trust in a known God who I have track record with, you know? So I wrote a song yes. that weekend called Coming Down. Uh, and it's just like, okay, Lord, I wanted to stay in this high, joyful place. You know, you brought me a new husband. We were married in 2016. Um, a lot of uh, joyful things, becoming a new grandma, all of that. But, oh, gosh, now mm-hmm. this devastating thing has happened. Now I'm coming down with you again in and I'm going to sit here with you and rest in your grace. So, uh, Sherry, is that song on your newest album, What I Know to Be True? Yes, yes. It's called Coming Down. And many others that I wrote, there's one about suicide called Destination Home. And another um, that I wrote and sang at Dad's Celebration of Life Service called It Hurts to Say Goodbye to You. And it includes the scripture. I will say when my sister called me that night, I was just, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, just reeling and crying and rocking and, and crying out to God. And But the, the scripture that came to my mind that just so settled my heart, or at least took the edge off is a better way, a more honest way of saying it, that took the edge off my angst was Psalm 116.15, which says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And that ministered to me, and I just kept repeating it, and I worked that verse into the song as well. It hurts to say goodbye to you. And so, you know, there's just a lot of hope in the album, even though I'm covering some um, really lamentable topics. Uh, yes. And grief, it's just all framed around the great, great anchor of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And, you know, and that's what I you know, I'm singing about, and that's what I'm trusting in recording this album, you know, that God will, as he has in the past, redeem this hard thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited about uh, this new album and it is co-produced with legendary guitarist and Grammy award-winning 
recording artist, Phil Kagey. And how is Phil related to you? <laughs> yes, uh, Uncle Phil. Well, so I was married to Phil's nephew. There you go. So I was, uh, became very Kagey at the tender age of 18. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's been a real... A real champion, uh, an encourager of my music through the years. And it was especially sweet to work with him in this season because I knew I had to approach this record differently. You know, I felt like I was sort of, yes, moving forward, but sort of leading with a limp, if you will. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and moving at a little slower pace and, and Phil was just such a breath of fresh air just to come alongside and say, hey, we can take as, as long as we can work on this over a period of months, mm -hmm. you know, which really was a gift to me. And he's such a um, he's such a musical master. And we just gelled so well in the studio. And uh, I just can't say enough, you know, positive things about the experience. And uh, I think we have an album that we can be proud of that has weight, yes. you know, and it has, it just has honesty in the, in the instrumentation. I played all the uh, piano, you know, parts mm -hmm. and uh, you had lots of gifted musicians come in alongside and add their, um, you know, add their gifts as well. But, you know, I, I feel like I can stand back and I can know I've done what God has required me, <laughs> required of me. This album, you know, I, I said to a friend, I feel like, uh, you know, God's not letting me off the hook with these songs. And, mm -hmm. um, and so now I can know, now I've gone, okay, God, I've recorded them. Now it's up to you to get them in the hands of the people that need to hear this, you know, just as he allowed you to hear that music, Jill, in your time of need, yeah. um, he's going to do that. And, uh, so he's, he's so good and faithful that way. Yeah. Yes, he is. He is. And I love how he uses our pain and turns it into his purposes. Uh, he takes our pain and, and uses it for his purposes. And I think that that is such a powerful way that God redeems uh, those hard seasons of our mm -hmm. life. You know, as believers, we grieve, though, not as those without hope. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would say that through this, I have um, just a more deeply felt compassion for those who um, who are grieving and perhaps don't know the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, and don't know that comfort and that promise of eternal life and um, the promise of rescue. And so um, it's made me more mindful and more prayerful for those, you know, who are, you know, in a similar season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, for those of you that are listening, I think that this conversation is such an important conversation. It goes along with the message that I share in several of my books, my No More Perfect Moms book and my Better Together book. And that is that when we have the tendency to compare ourselves to others, we're comparing our insides to their outsides. And when you look at somebody like Sherry, Sherry, when we look at your life, I mean, you uh, have been a, a worship leader for many, many years. You have 10 albums, nine number one songs, three Dove Award nominations, a Dove Award win. And, and so that's what you might see on the outside. But our conversation today has been 
about the real stuff that you've walked through. And often when we look at someone and we look at the things that maybe they've accomplished or we we see those things, we have to tell ourselves they have a backstory I don't know. They have pain in their life just like I do. And I think this conversation is such a reminder of that. And your music really just carries that out in such a beautiful way. Mm. Thank you, Jill. And I remember, you know, what you just said, how we compare our insides with other people's outsides. I remember when you spoke that at the Asa conference, you know, and I wrote that down. I thought, but that is so good. And that is so true, you Mm -hmm. know, um, but hopefully it leads us to, um, you know, ask questions of others. You know, I have a mentor who, is so good at getting at the heart of things. You know, she'll ask me, how's your heart? Yes. And because, you know, we meet up with people and sometimes our conversations are more surface and, and that's all good. But if we're looking to go deeper, you know, with, with people and experience that joy of that rich fellowship that we can have, um, you know, sometimes it's asking those questions that would lead to a deeper conversation and therefore a deeper connection. Yes. And then, um, you know, God gets the, the glory and we, we encourage one another, you know, in Christ back and forth and, and we feel more seen and understood. Oh, wow. Yeah. You have a, you struggle. Maybe that uh, I used to always say, same mess, different details. Yeah. yeah that's a great <laughs> you know, way. Yep. Same mess, different you know, details. Yeah, everyone has a struggle of some kind, but then you feel less alone when you can share just a little bit. You can just peel back a layer just a little bit and you go, oh, oh, okay. And it may not even change your circumstance, but it will help you feel less alone in it. Yes. Yes. And the more we share our stories, you know, because uh, you were talking about the OSA conference that you and I were both at, and that would have been in August of 2019. And the reason I remember that mm-hmm. is I was delivering the keynote message and you were you were doing some music, I think leading worship and maybe performing a couple songs, which would only have been 11 months after you lost your father. And it was probably one of your first times kind of back in the the seat of ministry. And I, during that weekend, got the devastating call that my father was in the hospital and mm-hmm. I left that conference mm-hmm. early and mm-hmm. ended up back in uh, Indianapolis and stayed with my father at the hospital for three days and we lost him on that third day. And I just remember even in your brokenness, you were ministering in your brokenness about losing your father. And, uh, and honestly, the Lord really used that to minister to my heart Mm -hmm. and to prepare my heart for what was, what was coming for me in the next few days. So, you know, just, Wow, that that timing is so interesting. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, I remember seeing that, Jill. That it was right soon after that, and I was like, "Wow, wow!" Yeah. You just never know, you know, how time passes. You never know what a day might bring, you know. And so, all the more, you know, reason to be just held and securely in Christ and the Father's love um, because he can see us through pretty much anything. You know, when you think about losing your dad, you just, you you can't imagine, you know, life without your dad. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine life without my dad. And yet here we Mm -hmm. are. And we had our earthly fathers 
and we thank the Lord for them. And we have a heavenly father who, um, by his grace, is going to allow us to see our earthly fathers again. And so we, you know, rejoice in that. Um, Such a beautiful gift. And it makes me long for heaven all the more. You know, I've sung songs about heaven. Uh, heaven's on my mind. Tell me again about heaven. Uh, you know, uh, there will be one day, all of this stuff. I've been writing a lot about heaven and it's, uh, it, I think it, it does us some good as believers sometimes to think on that, to think on things above mm-hmm. and, um, to know that heaven awaits and whatever, um, challenges we're facing, you know, this too shall pass and he's going to see us through whatever comes, come what may. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why faith and nurturing our faith uh, and turning to um, our faith is so important in uh, in good seasons uh, so that we're ready for the hard seasons. And and Sherry, your music helps us do that. So I'm so grateful. Thank you for taking the time to have this conversation today. Yes, thank you for asking me to be a part. I, I've just uh, been a bystander to see how the Lord has used you and your husband through so many years. I myself have been a recipient of your ministry. And um, thank you for your faithfulness and for you all pressing into the Lord and um, gleaning wisdom that you can impart to others, including myself. I appreciate you. Ah, thank <laughs> you. Well, would you be willing uh, to close uh, in prayer and just pray? Pray for those that are listening and just whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Sure. Yes. Thank you. Lord, you are good. And we just proclaim that. Mm -hmm. And for some right now to say you are good is a sacrifice of praise because there are many that are hurting. Um, And yet we speak that with our voice that you are good and that you are the hope that is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. So we put our trust in you. We fling ourselves upon your mercy and we wrap ourselves in your amazing grace and um, ask you to come alongside and hold and sustain those that are walking in hard places. Lord, um, just spill your beautiful truths into their hearts and minds, yeah. your, um, your, your eternal hope, your sweet promises that they might cling to you and just discover your rescue and discover your comfort and uh, discover your healing love. We thank you that you're so interactive with us that you don't leave us alone in our despair, Lord, that we can lift our eyes. And when we can't, Lord, you are the lifter of our heads. I pray that you would lift somebody's head um, today and um, that you would lock eyes with them and um, speak your beautiful love to them. We honor you and ask you to continue to strengthen us to serve in our various callings um, that we could um, really have an impact in your beautiful kingdom for eternity. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. 
one more thing. We have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.